So how can you take what you're passionate about and leverage that on social media? And you don't have to be passionate about Facebook. I mean, I work in it every day and there's certain things I love about it. There's a lot that I don't love about it. I don't love that you can't really ever check out. It's it's like 24-7. It's hard. You have to just put your phone away or like be with somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi. But I think if you take your passion and and try to figure out how you can apply it into these platforms, it can be really valuable. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. Guys and gals, we are only one week away from the star-studded pageantry that is the Half Hour Intern Awards. That's right. The 2016 Half Hour Intern Awards is only one week away, so be sure to get your votes in for who you think should win awards for this year. Go to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there on the homepage where you can vote for your favorites throughout the year in uh, a wide array of categories such as best story, best advice, um, the person whose job you're most envious of, all kinds of different stuff. So halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there on the home screen. On to today's episode. In today's episode, I interviewed Jake Repco, who is a social media manager for a health and fitness company. And um, you guys, I love, love, love this episode, which really blew my mind, to be honest, because I do not like social media. Um, I did not really have any sort of personal social media pages before I started Half Hour Intern. I really view it as a chore and a task. Um, having to have social media, if I'm being honest, um, with the show. However, that has kind of changed because of this interview. Um, so A, if you already like social media and you just want to know more about it, this is a great um, interview for you to hear. If you work, if you have like a small business or something and you are wondering some like tips and tricks and things like that with social media, this is a great episode. Or if you are like me and you just don't really enjoy social media very much, but you feel like it's something almost like a necessary evil, like something that you have to be involved with. It is a really, really good episode for you to listen to because it might make you feel better about the whole thing. Um, I learned a ton and Jake was really, really the perfect person to talk to on this topic. So without further ado, here is Social Media Manager. Jake, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Blake, man. Thanks for having me. I love the show. Uh, super excited to be on. Yeah, dude. I love that you just ended up calling me Blake, man. That's only what my mom and my sister call me. Like nobody else calls me Blake, man, besides them. So <laughs> that is great. Well, uh, us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess why don't we start out with you just telling us about what a social media manager is and like what the purpose of uh, of being a social media manager is and like why a company would hire someone like you. So, um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, it's, it's still very new. Um, but I think it's, it's finally become accepted across most big companies that you need, uh, social media, you need people that are well-versed in, in social media and understand how to grow online communities and, you know, um, elevate the brand presence and social. So for me, it's, it's been a bit of an evolution. Uh, I've been with 
the same company, Beachbody, for five years. And when I started, you know, I think Beachbody knew that we needed social. They knew we needed to be on Twitter and Facebook, but they didn't really know why. And now it's sort of evolved to the point where, you know, we're actually um, acquiring customers and tracking revenue and tracking engagements and, you know, actually looking at social as a place to, you know, grow the business, retain customers and, um, you know, just in general, elevate the, the brand across, you know, everything. So, um, Man, it just goes to show you, I guess, like how quickly uh, technology is evolving and things are evolving nowadays. Because five years ago, I mean, as far as social media is concerned, that is an eternity ago. Like everything was fully different five years ago. Were you hired on to do this five years ago or you were hired by that company five years ago and then they ended up moving you into this role as they saw that this was going to be something that they needed to do? So I was hired as a social media specialist, and and now I'm a senior manager of social media. So the specialist role was was more about just engaging with the fans that we did have and creating content across the brands that we were focused on at that time. So we didn't honestly didn't really have much of a strategy. We just knew that we needed to talk to people, and we knew we needed to push content out that would engage people. A lot of that was salesy. A lot of it was buy this product, click this link, go here, do this. Um, you know, and as it's evolved, we've learned that that doesn't really work that well. And when you, when you, if you do um, engage in that sort of posting, that it needs to be like few and far between, like almost you know, ten to one. Um, non-salesy to salesy. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely been an evolution and my role has changed as social media has changed. I mean, Instagram wasn't even a thing really when I was hired Um, and Twitter was huge and now it's sort of the opposite. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Now, is this, when you got hired, I am at like, I I guess, what was your background that allowed you to get hired? Because I would imagine that in the past five years, most people, like as companies are starting to, um, have any sort of any sort of social media jobs um, within their companies that kind of anyone that's taking that job is probably not going to have that like on their resume like, like nobody's already done this you know like had what allowed you to get hired for this so before so I, so I graduated graduated from uh, Arizona State with a journalism degree I went to the to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism which I think you guys are pretty close to there now, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I didn't when when I graduated, I didn't really know what to do. Journalism was kind of in this place of this this crazy flux where the um, you know the magazines were sort of dying, newspapers were folding, and and um, it was just very up in the air. So I took an internship at an SEO company in Manhattan beach. And I did that for about six weeks and I hated it. Um, but I did learn a lot about just, you know, how websites work and how keywords work and, you know, just driving traffic and growing communities and that kind of thing. So I took what I learned from there and I started doing some freelance stuff. And, you know, again, this was the time when people like knew that they kind of needed it, but didn't really know why. And so we started, I started doing it for a couple of restaurant, local restaurants and that, just kind of snowballed and led to different things. So I had this like little bit of experience that I just sort of crafted on my own. 
And interesting. And that little bit of experience must have still been a ton more than anyone else. Like who had any kind of experience back then? Exactly. It, it, it was enough. I mean, you know, it was enough that I could talk about it. And, and it's funny because I've hired now probably at least seven or eight people, um, into social media, a lot of them right out of school and they sort of say this, it's sort of the same thing. Like, you know, what's your experience? Well, it's like, you know, I haven't really done this or I've done it. I've done it as an internship or like, you know, I was in charge of, you know, responding to people on Twitter. And it's like, well, if you get the way that the platforms work and the way that the, the, uh, you know, the way technology works, like we can teach you the rest. And so like, that's sort of enough to, to at least get your foot in the door. Yeah. You can teach the more technical side of things. What about that's interesting about you hiring people. So when you're hiring people, do you, I imagine like a key thing is looking through their own social media and seeing, um, I guess like how engaged they are on social media and how much they care about social media and the types of posts they make. And like, what, maybe even like what their like friend count is, you know, just to show, yeah, again, like how much they care about having a presence on social media. Absolutely. Do those things go into hiring people? Absolutely. They, it's, it's not hugely important that they have a large following because number one, a large following is hard to grow as, as anyone knows who's tried to do it. Um, especially if you don't have money to do it, if you're just trying to do it on your own and, and not spend, a lot of money. It's hard. Um, obviously there's people that can do it and they can excel at it, but it's not that easy. So what, what I look for more is like you said, people that care that I can tell that they're at least thinking about their posts and that they're curating their posts and they're trying to, um, they're, they're trying to make their feed something that engages people and something that is relatable. And it isn't just, you know, they're not just trolling and they're not just posting whatever's on their mind. And it's not just like a, a feed of activity of their, of their day. You know, um, I want to see a little more thought than that. And, and that can just go a huge way to, uh, getting hired. Interesting. So like, there's almost an identity to their posts. Totally. Hmm. That's really, I mean, I certainly know what you're talking about. Like every now and then I'll come across a person's, even if it's like their personal one, but like someone's personal Instagram or something like that. And all of the photos have like the exact same look to them and they will cover the same like five or six sorts of topics. You know, like this is some outdoor stuff. This is my food. This is whatever. But it's all, you know, the same four or five types of things. And they all the photos, you know, you know, came from the exact same person when you're looking at it all. Versus mine is definitely not like that. And more like what you were saying, which is just like, ah, here's like some random crap I guess I'm going to post today. Yeah, well, it, and it's hard. It's hard because you feel like you need to keep up, right? You feel like you need to keep posting. And because you see, you consume all this content all day. And my advice is to actually post less. And like less is more. I mean, it's the old adage, less is more. I, on my personal Instagram, you know, I only have like, 3000 followers or something like that. Or I think it might be close to four. I don't know. But, um, how could you say the word only in front of a number like that? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, cause a lot of times I'm dealing with accounts like that are 335,000, 450,000. Right. So, um, you know, it's not huge, but, but 3000 is it's, it's okay. But when I really started to see the difference was when I started posting less, but increasing the quality. And, and like you said, really, I, I only post like three or four things and I have rules and they're super basic. And, 
you know, you could apply this to any account. It's, it's basically like it has to be, there has to be like water or, or beach in it because that's where I live and that's what I like. Um, if it's not that, then it's one of my kids. And if it's not that, then that's really it. Honestly, actually it's, it's like water beach, my kids. Oh, and it has to have some sort of blue in it. That's my other thing. And it, when, when I consistently do that, my feed looks so much better. And when people land on it, they want to follow you because they're like, they know what to expect. It's like, it's like when you pick up ESPN, the magazine, you know, what stories you're going to get, you know, what kind of content you're going to get. Same thing as following Instagram. You know, it's a choice to follow somebody. So you need to know what you're going to get. If you don't know what you're going to get, you're probably going to unfollow that person. Man, these are all such great rules that it's interesting the way that they apply to both individuals, but obviously also these are the exact same rules that any sort of business should be following as well. Um, so take us through the the different things that you do in your job. So what would a typical day kind of look like? Or I guess let's not maybe not say a typical day because that's hard. Um, just what are the different things that your job encompasses and then how much time do you spend doing what? Totally. So I'll sort of lay out the, the different, um, I guess, topics that I cover and then we'll dive into each one. Does that sound good? That's great. All right. So there's social media strategy at a high level, which is basically determining, you know, what, which platforms to be on, how often to be on the platforms and then what type of content is going to be on those platforms. Mm -hmm. Then there is the management side, which is managing people. Um, then there's the actual creation of the content, which oftentimes I do myself. And then we have, I have a team of four designers that I can rely on to create mm -hmm. content here um, at Beachbody. Um, then there's so those so are sort of the that, that third thing you're talking about like taking photos and like actually writing posts and stuff like that yeah so when i i look at content creation as like the 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 post doesn't there is no post without content so a post could be just text it could be a photo with text it could be a video with text it could be just a video you know you you have these options and you have to decide which one is going to tell the story in the most effective way. Mm -hmm. So those are really the, the top three things that go into my day. And then sort of the other things that fall underneath that are, like you said, doing photography, doing videography, um, writing copy, working with the blog team that we have to determine, you know, how we're going to um, turn their posts into more social friendly posts and yeah, that's, those are the high level. And then, the, and then the last part is reporting on all that, which is basically looking at the data and then determining how we're going to move forward based on what the data is telling us. Okay. I got a couple questions around all that. So first okay. of all, you mentioned talking with the blog team and maybe having them adjust their posts to be a more social media friendly post. What do you even mean by that? So, so we, we have a blog team that puts out anywhere from, I want to get this number right, but I, I, I believe it's between 10 to 20 pieces of, uh, new content in like a work week. It might be, it might be more. So that's like five days. Um, so they're, they're writing stories around lifestyle, fitness and recipes and healthy eating, that kind of stuff. So we'll, they have their stories, they have their, their angles. And then what we do is look at those 
stories and we say, how do we adapt that story for Pinterest? How do we adapt that for Facebook? It might be as simple as taking the link and linking to it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But we know that Pinterest, we know that long pins do better on Pinterest. So we might take the blog article and create an infographic or create um, seven steps to the recipe and make it a pin and then use that to drive to the blog article. So we're, we're, we're reshaping the content to fit the platform contextually. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And it then, feels like, it feels like I'm being kind of basic, but I guess, you know, if people don't do this, um, it, it might not sound basic. For that no, time. yeah, not at all. I, I, it's funny for anyone. Um, I, I, this happens a lot when I have guests on the show and, and normally what you just said, they'll say to me after the fact, like after the interview, like, uh, I felt <laughs> like I was like dumbing everything down and it's like, well, yeah, like people don't know about these things. You know, it's hard to remember like how, how basic everyone else is like when it comes to whatever it is that you're doing, you know? Um, right. so, and then on data and metrics, um, what is it that you're looking at and what is it that you're looking for? Like, you know, just what are the data metrics in general and what are you hoping to find? Like what would be a good thing? So basically we have, we have platforms, we have third parties that we use to help us pull metrics. Uh, Simply measured is one of them. And then we have the native platforms like Facebook analytics, Twitter analytics, Um, Instagram has, is getting better with their reporting. And what we're looking at, at a high level is how many new fans and followers we're getting across each platform. We're looking at how many people we reached, um, how many people we engaged. So that's unique people. And then we're looking at how many total engagements those unique people um, took on our posts. So I'm, I'm trying to keep it, I'm trying to keep it high level. And then we also look at how many sales we drove, but that actually is secondary to the engagement. Okay. And what, I guess, what do you like, what is ideal? Just great numbers in every category. Like what, what, what takes, I guess, priority for you um, with those sorts of things? Like what makes yeah. you satisfied? So the first, the first three that I mentioned are reach unique users total unique users engaged and then total engagements. So I'll sort of break down what those are and why they're important. So reach is basically anyone that saw your posts. So across all of the internet, all the platforms, how many people saw this post in a given month that might be like for us, that might be like 10 million people, right? Um, From there, we want to know how many unique users we engaged and a, a unique user, you know, if, if Blake, if you saw our content four times, that's only one, you know, you count as one, you don't count as four, but right. if you, but if you liked four different posts that counts as four engagements. Right. So th- that's the difference there. So we just, we, we want to increase our reach every month. That's just basic. Like that's what we're looking for is to reach more people. And then based on that, we want our percentage of of reach or our, our engagement um, as a percentage of reach to be higher every month. So the total engagements might not actually increase if we didn't reach more people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What was yeah. your reach like five years ago when you started versus what is it like right now? 
Uh, we weren't really reporting as accurately back then. Um, but if you, if you look at, so, so Beachbody has a lot of brands, but if you look at just the Beachbody brand, um, on a given month, we were reaching definitely less than a million people. And now it's anywhere from, you know, 10 to 30 million, depending how good the month is. Wow. That's crazy. Do you find that the bigger that the brand grows, the quicker that the brand grows as well? Like, you know, just... I don't know, more, more people to tell their friends about the brand. There's definitely a snowball effect to it. Uh, it's hard to really, it's hard to really like nail that down exactly. Like, you know, on a, on a chart, I've never looked at it on a chart like that, but it definitely helps, you know, and what really helps, especially on Facebook is spending money because that's when you're reaching new people. There's sort of this like, I'm speaking about Facebook now, but there's sort of this, like you're in, you're inside of the bubble, like Blake, you know, you're posting your stuff on, on your personal feed. And at some point you've saturated that feed that even if, even if I'm sharing it and, you know, three of your other friends are sharing it, they only have so many friends. So you sort of hit that, that end critical mass there. And then when you start spending money, you start reaching out side of that bubble and you can reach new people and if they like your content they're going to share it and that's basically like free engagement so now when you are doing that uh, because i know from personal experience that when you are trying to boost a post on facebook to to you know pay some money to get in front of new people you have the options of either deciding on a target demographic or you can just say show it to friends of people that already follow me um, which do you think is better and why? So it all, it all depends on your goal. Uh, we could have a whole show probably on just the paid portion of just Facebook. So, uh, this could, this could get a little in the weeds, but, um, it re- it really depends on your goal. So oftentimes we will do a, I, sorry, it depends on your goal and the piece of content that you're, that you've created or that you're boosting. So, Oftentimes we will do the um, boost to page and friends because we know that these people already like the content that we've created. That's why they like our page. And we know that they're potentially a customer, potentially a valuable customer. So when we create a new product or we have a, you know, for your, for your example, I'm trying to kind of relate it to someone else. Like for example, when you have a new show, you know, that people already consume some of the shows that you've put out. So chances are they're more interested in the next show than a totally random person. And they're a valuable part of your business. So you want to keep them around and Facebook as most people know is, has an algorithm that suppresses reach because they want you to pay for it. So even people that like your page might not be seeing your content for you know weeks or months at a time, and by spending a little bit of money just to re-engage them can actually go a long way. Yeah, for sure. Well, plus the friend thing, I, and I think for both of our brands that makes a lot of sense. Sharing it to a friend of theirs because now, let's say, like for something that you guys are doing, let's say you guys put out a recipe or something. It's like, well, now maybe both of the friends try to make the recipe and then they talk about it, or maybe both mm-hmm. of the friends already 
have been trying to get each other to go to the gym more often or something like that. So now this fitness thing is like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just like those things were late, like when friends get to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, that definitely makes sense to me. Totally. So let's uh, talk a little bit about posts and crafting posts and like potential negative reactions and then like this whole trap that you can get into when you become a uh like a social media presence or for me being a podcaster like trying to please everyone or 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 not necessarily trying to please everyone but trying to not piss anybody off i should say um which you realize how unbelievably difficult that is like people are so fickle and it's like it's so hard to to somehow not piss people off like i see um i'm on your guys facebook right now and you guys put together these awesome recipes about uh that are like goat meat recipes and there is like eight people that put an angry face to the goat <laughs> the recipes with goat meat and it's like i guarantee you probably all eight of those people are just uh like really hardcore vegetarians or vegans and it's like how dare you kill an animal or whatever and it's like dude like we're just trying to help out people that are okay with eating goats like have some cool new recipes in their bag you know um but uh and yet then as people scroll down your page they're gonna scroll over that one and they're gonna see all these little like angry angry facebook faces <laughs> on that post it, like i guess talk about what that's like for you because I, I mean i only make a couple of posts a week um and i do a couple of episodes a week you guys are doing it looks like what like five posts a day or something like that more than that um what is it like trying to curate content that is not going to make people mad? Or do you even care about that anymore? You just, is that something you used to care about? And nowadays you're just like, forget it. So it's sort of a two part answer. Um, we, we are creating anywhere from five to, to 10 posts, like 10 is probably the max on a, on a very busy day. If we have a lot going on. Um, and yeah, 90% of the time, at least one of those posts, if not more, is going to have some sort of negative reaction. Um, and we want to engage with that person. So we, we don't like to ignore people. It, it does happen just because there's so much content going out that we, we can't talk to everybody. But we, we do want to engage people. And, and even if they have a different opinion than us, we want to sort of figure out why and, and talk to them and you know, explain um, with as much facts as we can our side. We don't, you know, you don't want to get into a back and forth. You don't want to get into a debate, debate about it. Um, you know, a lot of people have strong convictions and that's okay. Um, that's on the smaller scale on the larger scale. I'll give you a good example of a story that, that we put out. I want to say in, okay, last June, I'm looking at it now. So it's, it's actually on my medium account. If you, if you really want to read the whole story, it's uh, medium.com slash at Jake Repco. And the story is called Want Attention, Don't Play in the Middle. So I'm actually of the mind that if nobody is reacting to you very positively or very negatively, that it's actually a bad thing because there's so much content out there that if, if you're not standing out one way or the other, that you're basically being ignored and people don't care about you. And that's, to me, that's the worst place to be. So I was at this fitness event as part of my job for Beachbody. And there was an overweight girl in the back. And I mean, she was significantly overweight and she was 
crushing the workout on the beach. This workout was hard. Like I couldn't even do it. Um, full bore. And this girl was, she, she showed up, she crushed the workout and she was awesome. So I pulled out my phone and I took like 15 seconds of video of her and I debated whether or not I was going to post it because I knew it's like, just because I've done this and have posted for a while, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew there was going to be a strong reaction. I knew there was going to be a lot of people that were motivated by it. And then I knew there was going to be people that were going to think that I was singling her out and sort of trying to, to shine this spotlight on her and which I was, but in a good way. So we debated back and forth, talked to some people, but within, you know, an hour we had it, we had the post up and the caption was, she didn't have to show up today, but she did. And so in this article, you can see all the links. There's links to the actual post that's still up. All the comments are there. I mean, this post got, I'm clicking on it now. I mean, it, it got well over 20,000 engagements. It got um, thousands of comments. Like I'm talking like 5,000 plus comments. And so we were going back and forth with people for a while, just reiterating our position that we were using her to motivate. And then eventually what happened was the people that were inspired by the post, their comments were getting upvoted, like liked to the top. Nice. And so the the community just sort of took care of itself. And that was, that's really the best thing that can happen. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's really, really awesome. And yeah, I guess if you're, if you're afraid of that, or if you're afraid to, especially, I love that you engage back with people. If you're afraid to engage back with people on the negativity, um, then I feel like, yeah, you're, you're the whole comment stream could just get even more out of control. Yeah, you, you, you have to pick your spots, you know, like, like I said, like sometimes a community, oftentimes a community just sort of works itself out and, and people are going to disagree with each other and that's okay. And then you sort of let that happen. And then, then that might be the time to come in or, you know, you might want to come in early and, you know, when you put out a post, like you may not see all the potential ways that people would react to it. And you're thinking like, I was thinking of this one way and like, you know, this is motivating, this is uplifting, this is inspiring, but not everyone ha- shares the same worldview as, as me. You know, I think people don't realize that like it's actual humans posting these things on these brands and, you know, we don't always agree. Yeah, for sure. I forget who it is. It actually might be, uh, I, Wayne Dyer or maybe it's a comedian. I don't know, but he talks about like how it seems like there are these people that go through their entire life and they're just looking for and like waiting for things to um, offend them in some way, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like, what's the next thing that I can be offended by? Like the idea that you're showing somebody do something good, that anybody could be offended by that in any way is unthinkable, you know? But like you said, I mean, this is the world that, that we live in. Like, people people will find a way to get offended by absolutely anything there's never just like oh maybe difference of opinion or even like it makes more sense i guess why why vegetarians or you know people who are really hardcore like vegetarians or vegans will get angry about the goat meat stuff but it's like look like that's your opinion that you don't you don't have to like put that on anybody else you know uh you don't have to get offended by the fact that other people are eating meat you know like you just you make this decision for your life and this is your life and let other people live their life the exact way that they want to live it and don't try to infringe upon that you know 
Um, I, I totally agree because, you know, everyone, everyone's on a different path and, you know, they, where, where you might right now, you might, you might eat meat or you might be vegan, but in 10 years you might swap, you might be different, you know? And it just, I don't know. I, I tried, I try to, I think everybody judges people off the bat, but I always try to check that check myself on that and, and just remember that, you know, people are, People are on their own journey and everyone's at a different spot. So you really don't know. Yeah. As an aside, you are vegan, right? I am. And you condone the post of that, that post of uh, goat meat recipe. So yeah, yeah. I, I approve every post that goes out. Um, <laughs> we have a, uh, we have an approval system and I have to click the green button to go out there. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I work for the brand and the brand has their own prerogative and then they're not always a hundred percent lined up with mine and luckily uh, many of them are which is uh which is cool yeah so what seems to be a good number of posts how often like throughout a day um or how often throughout the week and does do whatever your recommendations are would those vary depending on the type of business or the type of service because it's interesting early earlier when talking about like personal or maybe even business related, you were saying kind of like, I think I seem to think that less is more, you know, like simple is better, but you have this huge business with millions of followers and everything. And and then you were just saying just now that you guys post about five to 10 times per day. Like that's, that's definitely not simple to be posting five to 10 times per day. But when you guys have, you know, millions, like tens of millions of people coming to your Facebook page, obviously you need new content for them all the time. So that also makes sense. So yeah, like what, how, how much should we all be posting if we are trying to uh, help grow either a business or a personal brand? So you know, this answer is sort of a cop out because I have to say, like, it depends, which you sort of led me into. But it, it, I would be, I would be contradicting myself if I didn't say that it depends because it really does. It depends on on your goals. It depends where you're at in your business. It depends what kind of business you run, and it depends on what your followers are telling you they want um, based on how they're engaging with you and based on what they're commenting. So. I'll throw out some general rules and then basically you just got to test and figure out which ones will work for you. And I actually was just at Facebook, um, not headquarters, but Facebook down here in Los Angeles meeting with a rep from Facebook and Instagram. And what, what for Instagram, what they're telling us right now is, and this pretty much goes for everyone is one post a day to your feed and then basically blow up your Instagram story with as much content as you want and as you see fit. Like if you feel like you need to post 10 times a day, post that one in the feed and do nine, um, nine posts to your story. Uh, I still, I caution people not to just throw up content on, on their story because again, it just gets noisy and boring. Like really think about, think about what you're trying to say. Think about why I always ask, I I always tell my, um, my team to ask this question to themselves before they write copy, before they schedule anything is like, who is going to care about this post and why should they care? Because if they don't, if if you can't answer that question, they probably aren't going to care and you're probably not going to get any engagement and you probably shouldn't post it. 
and it also by asking that question, it also leads you. It ma- it makes you more critical of the content you're you're posting. And so the content might be good, you know, the photo might be good, but the caption is not going to engage them. So maybe it needs to be a new caption and with the same photo or vice versa. But um, I'm sort of getting off track a little bit, so I'm going to bring it back. But uh, for Instagram, for Instagram, it's it's one post to the feed a day and then as much as you want in the story with that caveat. And then on Facebook, they told us anywhere from one to five for you, uh, for, for your brand that has a smaller following, you know, one a day might be sufficient. Um, for us with a bigger following, we know that a big part of our community is not going to see all five posts or even all 10 posts that we do. So we're okay with posting that much. And then a big part of our strategy is we have a monthly, what we call content engagement budget. And, you know, it's in the thousands of dollars range. Even if it, even if you're running a small business, it could just be in the, you know, it could be in the hundreds or even less than that. But Basically, the sole purpose is to engage your community and or new people, not about driving sales, not about driving anything specific other than engagements. And what we do is we take those 10 posts that we put out or five to 10 posts and we look at which ones are performing the best because the community is telling us. I mean, the, the data is right there in front of you. And then we'll put an extra 100 bucks behind that post or 500 behind that post because we know it's already doing well. Right, right. So I would love to know what sort of words of encouragement or what sort of advice you could give to someone like me. And hopefully this isn't me just being terribly selfish and hopefully there's other people listening to this that are like me as well. Um, because a lot of the advice that you just gave was kind of like, okay, if, you, if, you know, if you're really wanting to be posting five times a day, maybe scale it back a little bit. What if you were like me and you do not care about social media at all? And like, you're just looking forward to the day that maybe one day you could hire somebody that would take care of that for you, but you can't and you have to do these things yourself. Like, I guess what, how could you inspire someone like me to want to post on social media and to, to care to post on social media? Cause I guess what you said and not to sound horribly cynical or horribly negative or, or whatever, um, what you said about like, why would somebody care about this post or whatever? I, whenever I'm posting on social media, my belief is always like, well, they shouldn't. Like, so, so why am I doing this? Because if they want to listen to the show, they'll listen to the show. Do I really need to post this? I don't know. And, uh, and, but it, it's, it's not, it's hard for me. It wasn't something that I did before I started the podcast. It's something that I only started doing after, you know, keeping up on social media at all in general, you know, and I, it's just not something I feel motivated to do. So like as is right now, I'm posting maybe two times a week. So those numbers are very, very under what you're talking about. And I always say to my wife that I need to get more involved and start posting more on social, but I will occasionally do it for a little bit and then it'll fall to the wayside again because it's just not it's not something I'm passionate about, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess like what words of encouragement would you give to someone that is not passionate about this or does not really see, uh, why they would want to do this or the benefit to this? Well, it's a hard question. Um, I think you have to look at what, what you are passionate about and what you want to do. And, and what I know about you is you want to tell people's stories, right? 
I'm making an assumption there, but no, no, absolutely. Okay. So, so you want to tell people stories. You want to, you want to share all these little nuggets of wisdom with people. Um, based on, on what you've extracted from them, you know, I mean, it, it, it takes talent. Um, you're really good at it. So I think that's what you're passionate about. So how can you take what you're passionate about and leverage that on social media? And you don't have to be passionate about Facebook. I mean, I work in it every day and there's certain things I love about it. There's a lot that I don't love about it. Um, I, I don't love that you can't, really ever check out it's it's like 24 7 it's hard you have to just put your phone away or like be with somewhere where there's no wi-fi and i think that's totally normal to feel but i think if you take your if you take your passion and and try to figure out how you can apply it into these platforms it can be really valuable so there's there's almost no other way that existed before social media to reach people for free on any sort of scale other than like guerrilla marketing, which was like you walking around San Francisco or Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, just or, throwing around flyers. Just throwing around flyers. I mean, and even that's not necessarily free because you had to get them printed and um, pay for, you know, the gas to get where you, where you are or whatever. I mean, really all you need now is like a, a phone and computer and, and Wi-Fi, and you can, you can make this happen. And there's so many, there's so many apps out there that you can make interesting content with that make it so easy to do. Um, so one thing that I think like, and you know, take or take or leave this advice, but like half hour intern, you could pull a quote or two from every show you do. And maybe you already do this, but, and make some sort of uniform graphic that like, when I read that quote, like, okay, that might make me want to watch the show or, that might make me interested in that topic. Jake, I and... need to pay you like a million dollars for that idea. It's so funny, like, because I'm, I'm actually already doing this, but only for my own website. So I make these posts for the episodes on my website and I pull what I think are like three of the better quotes from any episode and I pull them out and I make like this graphic on the website, but I only use that on the website. That's a phenomenal idea. And also just such great, great advice, like great life advice, but especially for, for this particular problem, of like always come back to what your how your passion could apply to this thing and not just view this thing as this thing that's so separate and so different from your passion like remember what it is that you are interested in and try try to find a way to uh to tie that into the thing that you're not interested in yeah i mean i think i think you just gotta like you said flip it on its head i mean my so my ceo is he has a really good following and, and he was one of my first like if you want to call him a brand here at Beachbody that I worked on. And um, he at times has come to me and said, I want to shut my social media accounts down. It takes so much of my time. It takes, you know, it takes this. And he really is involved in it very heavily and on, you know, on his own and does a lot of posting. He doesn't love it, but he sees the value of it to spread his mission and his passion, which is, helping people achieve their goals to lead a healthy fulfilling life to lose weight to you know to basically change their situation for the for the better and as a businessman as a marketer it's just another channel for him and he uses all of them in one way or another to help spread that message so if you can kind of jump onto that idea and just try to remember that and refocus it when you're frustrated with it 
I hope that helps. Yeah, no, it totally helps. Yeah. So for him, um, it's like, well, don't, don't view it as, Hey, I just want to be helping people. I didn't get into this business so I could be on Facebook all the time, or I didn't get into this business so I could just be on Instagram all the time, but view it as like you being on Facebook and Instagram is helping people. And you need Mm -hmm. to remember that. Um, and I need to remember that. So what would you say are the biggest mistakes that companies and brands are making with their social media? I think number one is they're not providing enough value with their posts. So it sort of goes back to that question of of why should I care? If you can answer that question easily, then there's probably value in the post. If I'm scrolling through my feed and there's not something that, that grabs me one way or another, then you're, you're not doing something right. And you're not going to get it right every single time. You're not going to get right on every single post, but you need to get it right more often than you get it wrong. And so, so that's number one. And then I think number two would be just not listening in general to your, to your audience, to your customers, people, you know, there's instant feedback, instant data there and people just ignore it. Or they, they, they think their brand is one thing, or they think, you know, the message that they're trying to send is one thing, but people are taking it a different way. So you, you know, it, the market is the market and they're going to, they're going to tell you everything you need to hear. You just need to listen. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what are some of the best strategies that you have ever seen from, let's say other brands, um, like some other brands that you've really respected things that they've done on social media? Oh man, I love, I love Equinox's commit to something campaign. Have you seen it? No. Uh, So maybe we can link to that in the show notes. Yeah. But, um, it's, I believe it was 2016. So basically almost one year ago, uh, for new year's Eve, their, their whole idea was, was to commit, to get you to commit to something. And really they wanted you to commit, commit to Equinox, but they used imagery that was provocative and different. And it, it does fit with the Equinox brand very well. And what I loved about it is that it was, it was subtle, you know, it, it was subtle, but powerful. And I think a lot of brands don't understand that. And it's really not that easy to do. Um, they don't understand that, that subtlety can go a long way and that social media can be a great place to, to do branding. Like, um, the Dos Equis campaign, you know, I know they, they, uh, started on TV, but they've adapted. Oh, this, this is one of the best things I've seen. So, so the, the most interesting man, the new most interesting man campaign, you know, they make it for TV, but what they did that was so brilliant for social media was they put the same ad on TV, but they anticipated the questions that people were going to ask. I mean, they probably had, I don't know this for sure, but they probably had dozens of questions that they knew people were going to ask, like, where is he from? Um, you know, what size shoe does he wear? Like just <laughs> random things. And they recorded the most interesting man answering those questions in only the way, you know, the voice that he could do it and the way that he would do it, which is ambiguous and, and different. And, um, they then responded to people's comments in the post with those videos. So, I think that's just a brilliant example of, of taking, taking a marketing and branding campaign and adapting it contextually to the place where it's living. 
Man, absolutely. And great example with the Equinox one as well. I think like earlier you were talking about not always having your posts be selling something. I think that what a lot of people would do if let's say you were Equinox as a gym, you would say like the the campaign will be called Commit to Fitness, you know, and there'd be all these different things about fitness. And it's like, okay, well, we're not really directly selling them because we're not going to say, again, we're not going to say commit to Equinox. We're not going to say commit to going to the gym. We might even just show a picture of someone like running in a park or running by the beach. Like that doesn't equate to them buying anything from us. But to take it even a step back from that and just saying like commit to something um, and then, you know, opening up the, like you said, the, the fact that you could have so many different evocative images from commit to something and not having them all be fitness related images. Um, man, just so, so, so smart. Yeah. I, I think people need to like need to avoid the obvious because the obvious is usually boring and you can apply this to many different things. I, I apply that to photography all the time. The photo that's in front of you when you're standing up straight is probably the most boring photo that you're going to take because that's what the eyes see all day long. It's when you start moving around, getting underneath things, getting on top of things, um, all these different things that actually start creating interesting perspective. Same can be applied to, to crafting a social campaign or even a post. It's how can I, how can I go underneath this? How can I go, you know, to the left, how can I go across markets? How would how would Ford cars talk about this? And then can I apply that back to fitness? You know what I mean? I, I know that's kind of ambiguous, but you're always going to be asking yourself those questions. Man, love it. This has uh, just been a treasure trove of good advice. So let's finish this thing up with uh, one last piece of advice. So if, uh, if there is anyone listening to this that is a kind of like upstart brand or just like a young person wanting to increase their kind of followers and interaction and stuff like that, we've already given like so many pieces of advice about um, just having an identity and this and that. Um, any other, any other like last minute pieces of advice that you would like to give, uh, like a smaller brand or a person looking to increase like followers and interaction on their social media? So this, this is, this can be applied to social media specifically. It can also be applied to, to other parts of your life. But I think, I think with social media, the tendency is to feel overwhelmed. And I, I've sort of gotten that sense from you a little bit today. I feel that all the time. And I think the what you need to do is is rein it in, especially when you're starting, and look at really focus your efforts in one or two places to start. And don't think I need to be on Twitter, I need to be on Instagram, I need to be doing an Instagram story. What about Snapchat? Now I need to be on Snapchat. How about let's get good at one of them? Then maybe we'll get then maybe we'll get good at um, two or three of them. And so I think. People will spend all day there, like checking off this to-do list, this long to-do list. Like, yeah, post it on Twitter, post it on Instagram, post it on Facebook, post it on Pinterest. Um, did a Snapchat story, got the blog up, did all these things, and so you you know your day is full, but wasn't successful. You know, I don't. Right. And then that probably is a path to leading to even more resentment of social media because the results won't be that great. And you're like, dude, I'm spending all this freaking time and my results aren't even that like, and I don't even really want to be doing this. So why am I doing it? Uh, totally. Especially with one, with one person, like when you're basically by yourself or, you know, you might have a friend that's sort of helping you on the side, or even if it's just two of you, you know, a startup trying to start this company, like you literally just can't do it all. 
And, and if you can do it all for a short period of time, you're going to burn out and that's not going to last. So you can start being everywhere when you have a bigger company, when you have, you know, more money. But in the beginning, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's uh, sustainable and you're probably going to, yeah, you're probably going to fail more than you succeed. So, man. Great advice there. Jake, this has honestly been one of the, my favorite interviews I've done recently. There's been like so much amazing advice throughout this entire interview. It's a bummer because I literally just nominated all the people for the 2016 Half Hour Intern Awards. I will have to remember this interview next year so I can nominate this for some like best advice awards uh, for 2017 Half Hour Intern Awards. But uh, well, may, yeah, well, maybe we'll maybe you post it on the one one seventeen. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> good call. There you go, man. Um, well, Jake, yeah. Thank you so much. It really has been a pleasure. Uh, we will, uh, we will. So please tell us uh, the the name of the company that you work for again, uh, just in case we want to uh, check that out and check out your social media strategies. So I work for Beachbody and that's facebook.com slash Beachbody, instagram.com slash Beachbody are our two main platforms. So you can go check those out. And then your and personal then- stuff as well. So people can see the kind of like stylistic things you were talking about. Yeah, I'm at uh, my my personal website is jakerep.com. So J A K E R E P.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at H3J2. So uh, that's Instagram is definitely, you know, more photography related and, and doesn't really apply to what I do with social. But uh, stuff on the website, there's photography, there's social media advice, and just a little bit more about me in general. Cool. We'll get uh we'll get links up to all that on the half hour intern site. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Jake. Thanks for having me, man. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Do not forget, it is voting time for the 2016 Half Hour Intern Awards. So head on over to halfhourintern.com and there is a link right there on the front of the homepage to submit your own votes for who you think should be winning awards for the 2016 Half Hour Intern Awards. So go to halfhourintern.com, click the link right there on the front and submit all of your votes. It's not an all or nothing type thing. If there are certain episodes that you didn't hear or categories that you don't feel comfortable voting for, that's all good. Just vote for the ones that you do know about, that you uh, that you feel comfortable voting for, and uh, be sure to write in your favorite episode of the entire year as well. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.